All right, here we go. Episode 62, Racing News. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful podcast, this one. I've been looking forward to this one all day. We're recording this uh, a day later than we normally do for very, very good reason. Kyle is literally jumped off the plane at Gold Coast, driven all the way back to his home, and he's come straight into the recording studio, and he's ready to do a podcast. Kyle, we'll get to you in a sec. Uh, you got some massive news and some big stories, I guess, from the, the trip over down to Canberra, but special guest and one that we want to have regularly on this and one who's been uh, lighting up our Instagram over the last year, Mr. Ben Deneen. He's in a, he's in the, the best looking of our three studios, I would have to say, Benny. Welcome, <laughs> welcome officially to the podcast. I know people are going to love hearing your insights into Southeast Queensland racing, but just give us a quick overview, Benny, what you've been doing for the last sort of seven days. You've been, you've been active. You've been out West. I have. Uh, thanks for having me on, boys. Welcome back, yeah. Kyle. Uh, yeah, I've been out of Corralbin. <laughs> I've been out at Corralbin, uh, helping uh, Andrew and Vicky Bonnie out of the uh, Corralbin Valley Mountain Bike Park, just getting ready for a couple of their upcoming events. So, been out there on the trails, on the on the brush cutter, and working hard. And uh, yeah, it's amazing, amazing course out there they're putting together for upcoming uh, enduro mountain bike, and then also the short course for uh, scenic rim out there. So yep. yeah, it's been awesome. Wow. I was looking at the first race for the scenic rim actually because it's only a couple of weeks away out at Corralbin, which actually, Kyle, that's a good segue. You were, uh, I think you were the inaugural winner of that year. I remember yeah, you doing that. That takes me out. back. What was that, like, three years ago or so? I got back you were to a trail back, runner. Back, yeah. since. back in the good old days. <laughs> All right, Kyle. So, what a massive weekend for you. You're going to go into it in quite a lot of detail. So, we've talked about Kyle's Canberra Marathon prep. And um, I don't know, Benny, what you were doing Sunday morning, but I was at a family barbecue and I was being quite rude actually because I was. I was being the uncle who was on his mobile phone. As much as I tell my niece and nephew, don't have your mobile on the dinner table. Mine was there and I was refreshing all the time. Some amazing videos coming through from Rennie who was down there on the bike. And um, the the app was exceptional. But before we get to Kyle, Benny, how did you follow the the day? I was actually out running a couple of goat loops, believe it or (laughs) not, uh, on Sunday morning. And uh, I said, and Troy Lethland actually did four. And I said to him, oh, Kyle's doing the marathon this morning. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. So... (laughs) Couldn't, couldn't wait to get off the goat loop. I wasn't checking it while I was out there yeah. and uh, to see how Kyle was was going. And we were on this group, of course, and getting updates from Rini, et cetera. So, yeah, it was very exciting to be following along and seeing how everyone was doing, but, of course, um, Kyle. So, yeah, yeah, that's where I was. Yeah, it was uh, lots of people were watching, I think, everyone who went down from the Gold Coast. But we'll get to those results soon. So, Kyle, take us back half a week or so before the marathon day, before race day. How did you prepare, I guess, from... Tuesday onwards, maybe your last your last session that you did, like the taper, the last workout? Yeah. So normally I've got a pretty standard taper session that I'll do before most races, which is a 2 by 2 k at roughly marathon pace. <clears throat> and I reckon this was one that Kerry gave to me years and years ago, and I just liked it, and I've just kind of stuck, and I've probably given it to a lot of people to do. So we went down and did that on Tuesday morning, and, yeah, it felt really good. So Jack did that one with me and kind of ran the pace roughly that I was going to try and hold on the weekend. That was pretty good. Everything felt good. It was much better than that one I'd had the Friday before. I think I spoke about that last time that yeah. it had been a little bit rough that last kind of main session. So that felt good. It's a good session just given it's nice and short. It's a good confidence boost just to run the pace and you get to stop much earlier than you feel like you should. So, yeah, we kind of finished that. I think we before we started, I think it was going to be like a 19-minute session including the recovery float. So I could get used <laughs> to doing 19 under 20-minute sessions. So that was, a, that was nice. And then... Wednesday, we just did Wednesday walkers, which was a jog. Thursday, we did about nine. I don't think we did 10K, nine or 10Ks, just easy, a couple of us, um, which is kind of the last run. 
we flew down, I flew down on Friday, kind of lunchtime. So I didn't run Friday, had it off. The plan was then that we we're going to do a jog on Saturday. So we kind of got down there Friday and the weather was okay. It kind of was a little bit rainy and cool on Friday, which was okay. It wasn't as cold as what I was thinking. And then Friday night started to cool down a little bit. And then Saturday morning, we kind of got up and I was like, this is going to be interesting to see what the weather's like. And I walked outside, you know, I didn't get up too early. And it was cool without really being cold. So I was kind of then looking at that weather app going, what's tomorrow going to be like? And I think at that stage, the app said that it was going to be 11 degrees and like a 4K an hour wind. And I thought, okay, that's perfect. Like it actually perfect. can't get better than that. So that was kind of good in the day leading up to it. So that was kind of Saturday morning. And then I went for a run with Costa and Rini was on the bike. We just did a lap kind of from where we were staying out around Parliament House down near the race precinct and back along the lake. I think it was about five and a half k's just to jog around and yeah that felt good that's you kind of want that little tapered jog the day before to feel reasonably good so that was kind of a good kind of confidence boost and you know we're, we're all very excited running around and seeing the finish and start line and you know down along the lake and running somewhere new is always always fun i've never actually run in canberra before so that was good but i remember we were running and i'd i'd packed my north singlet that i was going to race in but i only then took a long sleeve top and another running shirt so I was running in a T-shirt and I was very close to even taking it off. Like it was not cold at all on that Saturday. And I thought, oh, this is a bit warmer than what I thought it was going to be. It was probably 20 degrees and quite warm. So that was the first instinct. I was like, oh, maybe it's not going to be quite as cold, but you know, the app says it's going to be 11 degrees tomorrow. So we'll, we'll hope that it's 11 degrees tomorrow. Um, but that was good. That was my last run. And then we everyone had arrived by then. So we went out and had dinner just in, in the city um, on the, the Saturday nights to try to get in early and have dinner. So had dinner. And then, yeah, it was kind of time to try to get to bed and, and have a good sleep. And I think that was the one good thing about flying Friday night is I kind of got to go to bed relatively early Friday night and just slept in Saturday morning knowing didn't have to get up and get on a plane or travel or anything. So that was that was kind yeah. of perfect lead up, which worked out really well. And then, yeah, we had dinner, went to bed, and I think our alarms were about 4 o'clock in the morning we set the alarm and that was it. Then it was it was time to go. So that was kind well, of before, the main before we get into up. Before we get into race day, there's a couple of things you mentioned on the Patreon one we did on tapering, and you mentioned the sluggishness, and you mentioned uh, the fright, the sleep on the Friday night. So tell tell us about that because Wednesday walkers, you felt rubbish, didn't you? You had that almost yeah. one of the worst runs you've had of your life. I think Jack and I, but I don't know why Jack was. Jack's probably still recovering from his race, but yeah. it was one of those runs where just it's always it's that slightly awkward pace, and I just. I remember running, just going, oh, I can't wait for this one to be over. Like, this is terrible. I just yeah. want this to be done, um, which it was kind of, after I did it, I was like, perfect. I can tick off the sluggish run. Like, that's taper. Well done. I'm, I'm nailing this taper, having a really terrible run a few days out from the race. So that didn't really worry me. Um, so that was that Thursday felt much better than Wednesday did. And then, like I said, the taper jog on Saturday felt okay. You know, I don't think you yeah. get enough time to actually get into a rhythm or want to push anything or just jogging around and having a chat so i kind of ticked off the the sluggish tape a bit i was i got a really good night's sleep on the friday night and actually had a pretty good night's sleep the night before the race to be honest so mm. yeah i felt like i ticked off like i said as well as i could of you know the taper week as i wanted it to be so yeah i kind of yeah. felt like when i went to bed on saturday night i was i couldn't have done much else in that week leading up to it nothing else really went wrong so yeah i felt like i was kind of ready to go i've got a question for you regarding that saturday night sleep because I find I'd never sleep well the night before a race. And I wonder if you have the same kind of issues or do you normally f sleep okay? I, I know you – see, I'm gonna, I run from an emotional place and I know you're a bit of, not so, you know, emotionally invested in things from how you are wide running-wise. And I know you're, you know, ex execute the plan. So I'm wondering, do you think that could be a part of it, that you're just able to switch off and go to sleep? 
No, I, and it was there's some races where I feel like I'm really like nervous the day before a race. And then there's other races that I'm kind of not so much nervous. And this was one of those ones that I wasn't that nervous leading up to it. Like I, I was excited the day before like when we got down to see the race precinct. And then I kind of went to bed like I'm excited, like I was ready to run. I just felt like I knew what I needed to do and I felt like everything had ticked off so there was nothing to worry about. But then mm. I reckon I woke up at about 1.30 and I was wide awake and I was ready to go then. I was so excited. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get back to sleep now. Like <laughs> I feel like we all have that. Like I just woke up. I was literally just laying there like I'm ready to run right now. And then went back to sleep. I don't know how long it took me to get back to sleep, but got back to sleep. And then when my alarm did go off, I was so tired. I was like, oh, I wish I could sleep for another hour. Like why couldn't mm. I race about 1 a.m.? So, yeah, I think I definitely have races like that. And I, then I have others that I, I don't. I reckon I don't have as many nowadays, given that, like, when I first started racing, just didn't have as much experience and didn't really know what the day was going to entail. Like, I used to get that. Mm. I was super nervous mm -hmm. the week leading up to it. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to races that I feel like will give me that. And I feel like at the moment for me, like, if I was in a really big, like, a major marathon, like one of the majors, or went back to, like, a really long ultra race, I reckon I'd be the same just because I didn't, I wouldn't know exactly how it was going to go. Like, I used to get that, my first 50K, I was like that. My first 100K, I was definitely like that. Just having that unknown part of it, like, I'd definitely, I'd be a bit more nervous about things since the sleeps all the nights leading up to it would be a bit affected. But like you said, now I'm very much like I've got my plan and I know how I'm going to execute yeah. things. I find that it's just not that stress. Like I knew kind of exactly, well, I thought I did exactly mm -hmm. what, you know, the course was going to be like, how it was going to feel, kind of how it was going to unfold a little bit. So then really there's always that little fear of like, oh, well, what if I feel crap? You know, we all have those runs. We get up and just go, oh, I'm really not feeling it today. But yeah. again, I knew that I'd ticked off everything I needed to in the lead up. So if I woke up and felt rubbish, then I'd just deal with it and, and do the best I could. So that's mm, kind of probably yeah. how I approach those things. And yeah, it was kind of, I was kind of excited. Like when I woke up and I was super excited and nervous and couldn't get back to sleep, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I would have yeah. been quite concerned if I woke up and was like, oh, okay, I'm going back to bed. Like if I wasn't excited. So mm. I was kind of in a way kind of happy that I woke up early, quite excited before the race. And then when we kind of got, got up and started to get things ready and stuff, I was definitely a bit more excited then to, to get down to the start yeah. line. So take us through that then. Take us through getting to the the, the race precinct. So did, did you walk there? Did you catch a taxi? And then what was your preparation like in the lead up to the gun? Yeah, so we were staying probably a K and a half from the start line. So we walked down to the start line only because we probably could have only got an Uber like half the way anyway. And most of the time they just go, no, I'm not, not worth an 800 meter yeah. ride in an Uber anyway. So we'd always just plan to walk down. And I was kind of happy just to walk down as a bit of a warm up kind of like that. But we kind of got up and I was like, I'll be interested to see how cold it is. Like, hey, I'm going to have to wear my long sleeve and my jumper over the top. And I reckon we walked outside and it was probably like maybe 14 or 15 degrees. Like it definitely was nowhere near yeah. as cold as I thought it was going to be. And it kind of like, that's what I said to the guys. Like I reckon I've had colder mornings before like GC Marathon than what it was it was yesterday morning. So I kind of got up and I was like, mm. it was beautiful. Like it wasn't, I wasn't concerned about, you know, it being hot or anything like that, but it definitely wasn't the temperature we thought it was going to be. There was a bit of fog around in the morning. So that kind of just felt like it was insulating everything. So it was definitely like, it was almost like, I could, like I, by the time I got down to the start area and just kind of stripped off my singlet, it wasn't, wasn't cold at all. Like I was com very comfortable just wearing a singlet. So it was definitely at that point I went, okay, it's probably going to be a bit warmer than what we first thought it was going to be. Like, not that that was really going to change the plan because it was still, significantly cooler than you know what we've been training in the last three or four months so we kind of got down to the start area and 
obviously Costa and Luke were staying on the north side of town. Uh, Marty and Tanil were staying in another place. And then Rennie was in the same hotel that Caitlin and I were in. So we all kind of met up um, and Ty was there as well. We all met up in like just the start precinct near the, the finish line. And we all just went for a little warm up jog together. We did about a K and a half or so. Um, and then came back, basically got into our singlets and, the finish line is probably a couple hundred meters from the start line. So the finish line's down like in the main race precinct. And then you walk up the hill to in front of old Mahalamant house to where the finish of the start arch was. So we headed up there and kind of, you know, everyone does a few strides on the street. And that was when I first kind of actually ran faster for the first time since probably that Tuesday. And I felt really good. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we're good here. This is going to be, this is going to be quite fun. And then we got into the the start area and everyone's always a little bit excited and we were standing there and I was kind of looking at the time on my watch and I went, oh, like, it's getting close to like, they're counting down. Yep, it's going to be a few minutes. And then it got to like maybe like a minute or two to go. And all of a sudden I could see all the organizers like rushing around talking to each other and they're on walkie talkies. And I was like, oh, something's going on anyway. And then next minute, like someone's talking to each other and the guy gets back on the microphone and he's like, we've just received word that uh, Scott Morrison's going to be calling the election date this morning. And he's... He's obviously flying into Canberra this morning. He, him and his entourage are going to be driving through the course to get to Parliament House <laughs> in the next few minutes. I don't know when it was. So we're not sure if he's going to be driving on the course in the next few minutes. We're just waiting to see what, what's oh, happening. Brilliant. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, great. Another thing he's going to get in the way of. So that was quite that was quite entertaining standing on the start line going, right, yeah, that's of course. Like, yeah. you know, when in Canberra, those things tend to happen. So <laughs> we didn't see him in the end. So I don't know if he'd already got through by the time we got through or whether he was coming later in the morning. But yeah, that was kind of everything in the lead up to the start. We were standing on the start line and there wasn't because we were in the priority section and there was wave A and wave B. And there was probably only oh, 30 or 40 in the priority area. So I was interested at that point to go, okay, this would be interesting to see what kind of dynamics we've got at the start of the race. I think leading into it, I kind of envisioned that there'd be a little bit of a pack of us trying to run around that two hours 30 kind of pace. And then there'd be a few guys that would probably go off a bit quicker that would kind of be up the front. So that was how I thought that mm. first few Ks was going to go. Um, and then we finally got started probably, I don't know, four or five minutes, five minutes later. And I had seen on the start line that Marnie Ponson was there. So she's someone who I think is trying to run or see if she can try and run the World Championships qualifier, which is 229.30. So at that point I thought, okay, well, if she's here, she's probably going to go out and try and run 230 pace. So that'll be good. Um, mm. There'll be a bit of a pack there around that anyway. And then I would then, you know, we're ready to go. The gun went off and we all kind of took off. And I reckon the first like 400 metres, no one really took off. So all of a sudden I kind of found myself like second or third, like we're in this massive pack right at the front. I thought, okay, this is interesting. Like we're not going any faster than what what I want to go. So we'll just, you know, we'll sit in this little pack. And then we kind of, the first K was pretty much like a grindy uphill up to Parliament House. So it was kind of uphill the whole way, but, you know, you're feeling fresh. So you just run, just get through that first K. And then all of a sudden there was probably a pack of about nine or 10 of us that just sat together pretty much running the pace that I was hoping to run that first K out. So I thought, okay, beautiful. Like no one's gone off hard here. Like this is just going to be mm. the the front pack. And then we hit one K and maybe oh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we didn't say three thirty six or three thirty eight or something around that up the hill, 330, which I was okay. Three thirty seven. There you go, three thirty seven. Somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah. there as well. It was just a few seconds yeah. slower than what we wanted, but it was uphill. We knew we had to come back downhill at about three K anyway. Um, and then yeah, so all of a sudden we're running around Parliament House, and there's a pack of about nine of us, and I'm just sitting like second off the front, going, "Oh, this is cool." Like, all right, it looks like we're going to be in the front pack today. This could be interesting. And the other funny thing was, obviously, there's people who'd been working all night at Parliament House who were trying to come out of Parliament House, like as we're just the lead packs <laughs> coming through, and they're just having to like just about to pull out of the driveway and getting blocked, and then just looking around like, what is going on? And there's about I don't know how many people are in the race, but hundreds and hundreds of runners about to come past. So that was quite funny to see a few cars trying to to get out, and we were running opposite direction to where the traffic flows around Parliament House. So that was interesting. And then yeah, we got it to about. 
And at that point, I knew Jamie Lacey, who's got the GC50 record. He was there. So he was the one that I kind of thought was probably going to go out quite hard. Like he was going to be running quite quick. And he was, he was sitting in that pack right next to Luke and I at that point. And we got to about two, just over two Ks. And he kind of looked over to me and he was like, like, is this the pace you want to run? And I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm happy here. Like I don't need to go any faster. And he was kind of, oh, okay. And then we kind of ran down the hill from Parliament House and he kind of just like looked around and he was like, mm, okay. And then he just took off and dropped us yeah. instantly. I don't know how fast he ran those between kind of, because he was with us at probably 3K. And if you look at his like 5K and 10K splits, he's dropped, like we could barely see him up the road at like five or six K. So he'd taken off really quickly. So he kind of dropped us then. And then the rest of this pack just stayed the same. So Jamie was way off the front and then we were in the pack that was kind of second through ninth or 10th. Um, and then I only worked out afterwards, but so Marnie had um, another female pacing her and I can't remember off the top of my head what her name was, but she's done a lot of the short stuff. I'm sure we've mentioned her name on the podcast. She does a lot of the short racing um and sean Crichton, who i don't know if it's marty's coach or if he just knows her but sean lives in canberra so he's a 210 marathon off he's got i think the sixth fastest marathon in australian history so yeah very fast. um i don't know how old sean is now but yeah he still runs a lot around there he was in there pacing her through the first 10k i didn't even realize it was him um i was just like oh this guy's running this guy's running well <laughs> he's got a nice <laughs> technique and he he ran to 10k so i just kind of sat off the back of this pack and i was in my head i was going do I just sit on the back of this? Like, am I, like they were kind of swapping around. I didn't know who was pacing or who was running the whole thing. And I was kind of like, oh, should I take my turn here or should I just sit in the back and how long do I just sit here? And there were some of them were starting to look around. I was like, I should probably like do something on the front here if <laughs> these guys are just going to pace me the whole way. But I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll sit. And then we hit we hit 10K and I think around 35, 20, something like 25, something around that. It was pretty much roughly where I kind of wanted to be. I remember looking at the split going, yeah, I'm happy with that. That's where we need to be. And then from kilometre kind of oh, 10 and a half, there was just this gradual climb and this ended up being kind of the theme of the day. And that was probably the one thing of when I looked at this course profile and I kind of went on Google Maps and, and basically drove the course it looked like there was a few little undulations, but then it looked like it was reasonably flat. Like it was always going to be rolling, but I thought, you know, there's some flat sections here. This will be nice. And it just turns out that pretty much the, the entire course was just undulating the whole way. Like there was barely any sections that were dead flat for more than a couple of hundred metres. It kind of felt like you were constantly running uphill or slightly running downhill a few percent. So that was probably one thing that I definitely wasn't expecting it to be, to feel as hilly as it was. Mm. Um, and, you know, not that it's massive hills that we're used to running on trails or anything, but it was just, it was hard to get into a rhythm and know how hard to push on those slight inclines versus then how much time you're going to make up on the downhill. So I just really tried to keep my effort as consistent as I could. And then I reckon at about kilometre 12, we're going up this hill and I thought, all right, I'll go to the front. I might as well do a bit of work. And I kind of just kept the pace exactly what we wanted to and kind of just dropped the group a little bit, maybe like 10 or 15 metres in the next kilometre. And then we came down this long part of the highway and we started climbing. It was just this real long, probably almost a kilometre long. And we probably climbed, I don't know, 15, 20 metres across that kilometre. But I kind of, by then, I couldn't hear them. So I knew I dropped, they dropped back a little bit from there. And I thought, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, I had that decision to make of going, there's a really nice pack behind me, but if I want to try and run this 2.30, I'm going to have to kind of go and just keep going with this pace. I was feeling good at that point. So I thought, all right, you know, I'm just going to go with it. I'm I'm not going to stop and kind of wait for them to catch up because I don't know if they're actually going to keep running this pace or, or what they're going to do. So at that point, I just said, right, I'm just going to run my own race here. I'm by myself, but like I couldn't see Jamie up the road. He was gone. I'm just going to keep running in yeah. second and try to hang on to these splits. Like I'd kind of, looking back on it, I suppose there was probably 
a point there where if I had my time again, maybe I would have just dropped back a tiny little bit and just stayed with them a little bit longer before I then tried to go. But, you know, at that point I was like, well, I'm going to try and run this time. If I drop off now, I'm definitely not going to be able probably to make up too much time. I may as well keep going with it. So then from probably kilometre like 13 until nearly the end, I was pretty much by myself. But we kind of then ran through into probably I think 17k there was like an out and back that we ran out to the 17k point and then turned around and came back and that's when I first got to see Jamie and I think at that point I took a split on my watch like just took note of where I passed him and then when I got back to that point and I think it was about a minute 50 to two minutes at that point that he'd mm. already put on us through at about 17 18k um and then I reckon that was probably I don't know the group but like the few guys behind me were maybe like 10 to 30 seconds back at that point like it wasn't I hadn't really dropped them and we just all spread out a little bit and there wasn't really a pack anymore and then I got through, I remember at that point, it was just, I started to realize, okay, this is going to be a little bit more rolling. Like I'm going to struggle to run 2.30 here. Like I reckon I knew that at about 17, 18 Ks. I reckon at that point I was like, okay, I, I kind of at that point went, I'm not that concerned about running 2.29 here. Like I don't think it's going to happen. Like I felt good, but just then getting to feel what the course was like, I was like, yeah, I, I don't reckon it's going to happen today. Like I think then I went through 20K and then there wasn't actually a, a mat or anything at the halfway point, but I remember I took it, there was a marker at 21K and then I looked at my watch probably, like I said, about 100 metres after that. And I think I would have gone through it halfway in about 115.30 or around 115.25 yep. to 115.30. So at that point I went, okay, I'm on 231 pace. Like this is definitely a little bit more rolling and hilly than I would have thought it was going to feel like. I reckon then I was like, okay, like I just, I'm going to need to kind of just stick at this as long as I can. And if I'm in the 231, 232, like I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I'm in second, I can't complain. Like I'll just stay here. And then the next kind of section, you kind of come back to near where the start line was before you go over the first big bridge to head on the north side of the course. So we kind of I knew I was getting most of the windy bits out of the way. Like I think there's been a few comments on my Strava and stuff and that I've seen on Instagram just how windy and how many turns it looks like the course has got. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of getting through most of the windy parts by then. So we headed over the bridge at about 25K. And I think at that point I was still kind of holding on to those 333 kind of average. So what I was doing is I turned auto lap off and I was just uh, lapping at the 5K markers. So whenever we hit the 5K marker, I'd, there was a timing mat and I'd just press my watch. I'd get a 5K split and then it would restart the average pace for that next 5K block. So I didn't have total distance, total time or anything else on my watch. I only saw that 5K chunk. So that was my goal of going, I need to run like the goal time split for those was 1745. So that's kind of roughly I knew if I can sit somewhere around that, I'll be reasonably close to it. And then got to over the bridge at like kind of 25, 26K. That was where there was another one of my bottles. So I grabbed that, had a drink. And I reckon at like 26, 27K, that was the first time that I was like, all right, this is going to get tough at the end. And that's when we'd gone across onto the highway. And in my head, when I looked at this course and even drove it on the Google Maps, the highway didn't look that hilly. Like it kind of looked like it was relatively flat. And I was just running along this highway, just going like, this is not flat at all. Like it wasn't steep but it was just Mm. constantly rolling uphill or downhill. Um, And that's when I probably reckon my split started to drop back to kind of that 340 kind of pace. Mm -hmm. And like I said, at that point, I'd kind of, not that I'd given up on 230, but I think that was when I was like, okay, I just need to kind of survive and try to hold onto this and work out what's sustainable and kind of just make sure I get to the finish line as quick as I can without completely blowing up. Like I think at that point, if I'd, really pushed as hard as I could to try and get back down to 330 to 333 I probably would have completely blown up so I kind of made that call just to go I'm not going to look at my watch as much I'm just going to try and get into a rhythm and just see what I feel like sustainable knowing I still had about what 15 or 16 k's to go um and then I kind of we got through that section and there was another out and back where you kind of u-turn part that you can see it's kind of the top left of the of the course map I did 
which was at 29k and i remember i saw the or maybe it's 29 and a half or whatever it was and i remember i saw the check the kilometer marker that i knew meant i was about 500 meters from the turnaround point and at that point i kind of passed that and i still hadn't seen jamie yet and i knew rinnie had yelled out to me at one of the checkpoints that jamie had three minutes on me at 20k so all of a sudden i kind of hit that marker and i went well if we're running 330s and i can't see him yet like he hasn't gapped me any more than this and then I kind of started running down this hill and Benny passed me. So I took another split of when I went past him there. I turned at 29 and then I looked at my watch when I got to that point and I got it back to two minutes, the gap. And all of a sudden I was like, radio, like he's obviously hurting a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. There was still a couple of guys fairly close behind me within hundred or 200 meters as well. And then there was a bit of a gap back. So I could kind of see Jamie myself and then probably the next three guys were within, you know, maybe three or 400 meters of me. And they look like they're moving okay as well. So at that point I was like, radio, like I'm still in second. Jamie's somewhat come back to me another minute over this kind of 10K. Maybe if I can keep this rolling, like who knows? Like in my head, I feel like that's a point where most people just go, oh, I'm really hurting here. Like everyone else is probably feeling amazing. Like, damn it. Like mm. that's annoying that I'm feeling crap. But that was probably the first point I went, all right, like he's obviously hurting as well. Like you never know. Like I'll just keep trying to push as hard as I know, hard as I can because he could completely blow up. Like you just never know. You know, that might be one I would have regretted had he completely blown himself up. And, you know, I look at them, look at it and go, oh, maybe I could have actually closed the gap a little bit. So I kept pushing there. And then I think I hit 30K in around 147 something or 148. And I remember that point going, like, I'm still happy with where I'm at at that point. I think I dropped back to whatever pace I was running there, maybe 335s or 336 average for the whole thing. And I went, all right, like I'm still in those kind of low 230s. I just need to keep running. And that was probably the first time I started to feel like my left hammy and my right calf just starting to twitch. And I went, oh, here we go. Like, this is going to be interesting, like trying to run up and down these hills. I was just, I didn't feel like I was going to cramp, but I felt like I was well on the way to to properly cramping. So I was just like, okay, get another gel in. Like I finished my flask that I had with calories in it. And then I reckon I got to like 32 Ks and just went, I don't really feel like eating, but I just ripped open a gel and had another gel then. And then I kind of just felt like my hamstring and calf were, were twitching, but they weren't going to cramp, but I felt like I couldn't really go much faster. So I was like, I just got to sit in this rhythm and see how many Ks I can knock off. And then I remember getting to, I felt like I was still moving quite well at that point. Like I think I dropped to, I don't know, 345s or something like that kilometers. So, you know, maybe 10, 15 seconds slower than what I needed to run, but felt like I was still moving reasonably well. And I reckon I got to like, I could see the 34K flag and next minute I heard these footsteps coming behind me and I went far out. Like I still feel like I'm moving pretty well. These guys must be flying. And right on the 34K marker, the guy that ended up coming second just flew past me. And I was like, man, I'm running, I don't know, probably 345 to 350. He's obviously moving really well. Um, and I'm going, when you go through the results, I'll let you know his splits because he ran a phenomenal race. Um, and he just kind of just dropped me. There was no way I was going to go with him. He would have been running probably 330s or 335 still. So I kind of knew he was long gone at that point. I went, okay, I'm still in third. But when he passed me, there was another guy right behind him as well. And I went, oh, here we go. This is going to get interesting. And then I thought he was going to come past me as well at about 34, 35Ks. And he hadn't quite, he kind of just then fell off a little bit. And I thought, oh, he's obviously hurting as well. This this could get interesting. And then we turned um, to do the last little U-turn before we came over the bridge with maybe like 6K to go. And that's when he caught up to me as well. And then as we're running down to go under this bridge, he kind of just flew past me on this downhill. And in my head, I was like, you know, I've got about five and a half Ks to go. Like now I'm back in fourth, he's in third. Like I really should kind of push here. Like this is, Mm. you know, that's podium. But at that point you're just going, I just need to get myself to the finish. Like if I complete, I didn't want to completely blow up either. Like I still wanted Mm. to get a time I was happy with. Like I probably would have been more disappointed if I really tried to push hard then to stay with him and then cramped or completely blow up and really 
completely like blew myself to pieces that last three or four k's and you know got close to 240 so i kind of tried to stay close to him at that point and it's not like he dropped me significantly but i was one trying to not cramp and two just going like this sucks like i just want to get to the finish line like i'm i'm over this now like i'm ready to be done like you know we all get that at the towards the end of the marathons like well and truly hit the the point where i just wanted it to be done and i remember i still was looking at my watch at that point and i still think for that 5k i'd averaged maybe around 350s i'm looking at it here it was still kind of i think 35 to 40 i still averaged 350s and i was like okay i'm i'm happy with that i haven't completely blown up like if i can still hold and run 350s i'm moving okay um and then i reckon i could just see him the last like two or three k's and he was just up the road but it was in my head i was like i don't really care about the podium like yeah sure that'd be nice but i just don't want to cramp and have to like walk in the last kilometer and then get caught by even more guys behind me so i was kind of okay just to go i just got to get this thing done um and i reckon that last like there was a bit i think one or two of the little clips that i posted on instagram the last few of me running before the finish one was about like a k to go and i could i watched it back and i was like yeah that's exactly what i felt like i got this really short stride because i was purely trying to not stride out and let my hamstring cramp and then there's this annoying little hill with like Oh, 700 meters to go that you've got to run up and we'd run down at the day before the race and all, we were kind of laughing about it like oh it's not that big of a hill like look at that it's not the hill you're talking about Rennie. like that'll be right <laughs> and i was running up this hill just going why did i say that like, <laughs> this sucks and then you kind of turn the corner and then you can see the finish shoot and at that point i knew i was still going to run somewhere you know, low to mid 230s but again i hadn't had total time or distance i hadn't had that watch face on the whole race so I didn't really know exactly what time I was going to run. I just knew it was going to be close to that. And I flicked over. I think it's actually one of the videos. You can see me flick my watch over to the main screen to go, what time am I at? And I think I had like, I was at 2.33.30 with maybe 200 meters to go or whatever it was. And I kind of was like, oh, okay, I really need to break 2.35 here. Like I'll be annoyed now if I go into that next five-minute bracket. I want to keep myself in this in this five-minute bracket. So I reckon with about 100 meters to go, I knew I'd, I was going to just dip under. And then, yeah, I think crossed in, I think my official time was 2.34.47 um, yep. for fourth. So it was it was one of those ones I kind of finished and I was, I was pretty wrecked afterwards. But I was, like, I wasn't over the moon with it. Like, obviously, I said I wanted to run 2.30, but I think I knew pretty early on that that wasn't going to happen. Just on that course mm-hmm. with where, like, you know, running by myself for the whole thing, I just thought, if I do, there's going to be one hell of a run. But I just thought, yeah, the, I'm, I'm okay with it just being that little bit slow. I just don't want to completely blow up. So I was kind of, one, I was I was satisfied with it. When I kind of go back and look at it, I think I was happy that I didn't completely blow up. Like I kind of slowed, but I only slowed like 350s versus like completely blown up to five minute Ks. So I was happy to kind of mm. hang on reasonably well. And at the end of the day, like running, having run that course, there's definitely probably some things I'd do slightly different in training. Just it was it was more undulating and hilly than I thought it was going to be. And that was probably the one thing I was just like, well, that was a tougher course than I thought. Like even the last like six or seven Ks, like my heart rate wasn't that high. Like breathing wise, I felt good. My legs were just trash. Like I just, it was kind of like almost cramping, legs just heavy. Like it was probably my legs that were smashed more than my fitness necessarily. Obviously it is part of fitness, but yeah, it was, it was good. I definitely got some, a lot of takeaways from it as well, but overall, like I'm content. I'm happy with that. That was my first actual proper marathon race and 2.34, like I said, can build on that, but very happy with it. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a breather, Kyle, and I'm just going to go through the results here, and then we'll come back to a few key points because, Benny, you must have a couple of questions, and we've got some some questions that we put out on Instagram that people want to ask. So I'll just go through the results, and then Kyle will come back to it because it's a remarkable first marathon, and, um, you know, we I've, I've run Canberra, so I know those rolling hills that you're talking about. It it's, doesn't look anything like anything remotely like that on the gradient that you see on the map. 
But let's just go through some results. So, um, yeah, the female marathon, uh, third place was Kate O'Connor, three hours and one. Second, Ella Higgins in 2.54. And, Kyle, you mentioned Marnie Ponton before. So she ran 2.43. So um, she's obviously had a a difficult day, I guess, if she was going for that World Champs qualifier of, you said, 2.29.30, I think you said was the the time they were going for. So Marnie takes the win there in 2.43. Uh, so in the males, Kyle, yourself in – we don't often do fourth, but we're going to do fourth today. Yeah. If that's all right. Uh, 2.34.47. Um, Russell Dasau Shin in 2.34.11. 36 seconds. And i tell you what, Kyle, I don't – I wouldn't have been aware of this, but the app that we were tracking was remarkable. We actually had one of those dots yeah. that you could follow. And so in that last 5K, we were just watching the two dots. And, of course, it's not 100% accurate. Obviously, they're, they're figuring it yeah. out with an algorithm, but – we were thinking it's like it's 30 seconds, it's 30 seconds. He must be able to see him. And like, you know, it was so hard mm. to, to watch it. Um, and Daniel Carson, that was what you said, the guy who came flying past you, mm. Kyle. Like, I think at one stage he was fourth or fifth. Like, he moved through the field at that point you talked well, about. Well, he, yeah, like, that was what I was going to talk. So he went out in like three yeah. four. he went out in like 345s. So I think he was yeah. still like three minutes back of me at halfway and 34K, yeah. he went flying past me. So he was, <clears throat> if you load, actually, I went on the app, if you find him on the app and actually they do these little pace graphs, he's the only one I've seen that he negative split it massively. Yeah. So he went out really like smart and just ran through everyone in that back half and nearly caught Jamie. I reckon another few Ks and Jamie was coming back to us and he probably would have yeah. got the win. Like he was, he was moving really well. Yeah, so he runs 232 and Jamie uh, Lacey runs 231. And obviously people know him from uh, GC50, uh, that remarkable day he had there a couple of years back. But uh, you mentioned it earlier, Kyle, as well. Like, at the tw- uh, Jamie got away from everyone very, very early on. And you mentioned the surge he put on. And, and when we were tracking it through 15, 20, 25K, it looked like Jamie was going to run away with it and maybe run a, a 227, 228. But obviously the, the field, the top five or six have all sort of tired at the same sort of rate and... You know, you were you were three minutes away from him at the end, so it's it's it turned out to be a remarkable race at the front end, in terms of actually the the podium and the top five runners. Uh, for you guys all to be that close would have been would have been quite fascinating to be involved. But um, I'll just go through the half marathon results, and then Benny, you might have a couple of questions that you've got ready to fire Kyle's way. Um, mm-hmm. So female Aaliyah Brand one twenty five, Megan Tamanillo in one twenty one, and. Local Gold Coast girl, Tanelle Ellis, one seventeen takes that takes that um, half marathon out by quite a significant way, and on the app as well, it showed her to be in the lead and in control pretty much the whole day. So that's a, a great result for Tanelle to win down there. I think, um, am I right, Kyle, in saying is Tanelle two forty one? Did she run at the Gold Coast Marathon one year? Two forty. She's run two forty twice. Two forty. Okay. Yep. So yeah. she's in very good form. Um, do you know if she's going to run Gold Coast Marathon or was she I don't going know. to full this I year? Didn't you don't ask know. Her. I'm not, not Maybe. too sure. Not too sure. Um, and the male race, Kyle, I don't know if you checked the results out from the half marathon, but quick, very mm. quick and very yeah. close. Harrison Bugley, 109. Um, Matthew Schaumberg in 108. And Sam Toll in 107. So that half marathon looked to be quite a race. So, um, yeah. Benny, have you got, have yeah. you got a couple of questions, Benny? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too sure of your marathon uh, history or marathon backstory, but... Um, is there is there one? Is there much of a marathon road story to you, Ben Denain? Well, not really, <laughs> but there, there, there is one. I have done one uh, actual marathon. It was the first marathon that I did, and that's kind of what started the whole journey. Yeah, um, uh, it was over ten years ago now, and uh, it, it was 
yeah, it was a start is where I began. And uh, I, when I got to the end of, end of it, I thought, I'm never going to do this kind of thing again. This is the worst thing ever. But inevitably, I started looking at 50K races and the rest is yeah. history. Um, I, I did have a couple of questions for Kyle, but he's um, he's just been so thorough going through the whole race. because <laughs> No, he has. But when I looked at yeah. his Strava after, the, after he finished and I looked at his splits, uh, I I did have questions about just how much they vary because I know how Kyle normally is just so methodical and I thought, geez, there's some real variance, not even just in the back end, but over the whole race. And of course, as soon as you explained the course and that, you know, the hilly nature of the course wasn't what you've expected, that totally um, makes sense. And I just think it's amazing how you've been able to manage and work, you know, within the those parameters on, on a day where you didn't know that, the course was going to be like that and the temperature wasn't as cool as you thought it was going to be. And yeah, it's an amazing achievement considering all of those variables that you weren't aware of. So. Yeah. And well, I think that's I'd... one thing that like, for, I was just going to say Tom on that. Cause like, yeah. like you said, Benny, I'm really like those races where I can really like calculate those splits, like those fast ones. Mm-hmm. If you go look at any of my other flat races, like generally my splits are super consistent. So Absolutely. that's another yeah. part of this race that was always going to be a bit tricky for me. And, um, and that's why I, why it was like that because again i didn't have auto lap mm. off so i wasn't getting case splits or anything i had no idea what these i had, didn't see a single case split so i was just kind of looking at my average pace for those 5k but it was very much like i reckon if you look at that first even like 30k the effort was pretty consistent and that probably just yeah. goes to show you exactly like you said that's just what the course kind of did so i probably did my best mm. just to go i'm going to try and keep the effort as similar as i can and there's yeah. probably some k's that were significantly slower and probably some i haven't actually gone and looked at the individual case splits from early on but there probably were some faster ones as well but that's just because there was some k's that were almost entirely uphill and then some k's that were almost entirely downhill so it was just one that i mm. went i've got to get the effort right here like not ideal like you know i'd probably rather have those k splits and know exactly what i'm on every k and just tick them off um but it's just not the course that you can do that on because like the, mm-hmm. the course varies so much you just got to get the effort right and at the end of the day just hope that that equates to then you know hitting that time that you want at the finish line which which almost is like a trail run really isn't it like yeah we talk That's about right. running running effort based when you're doing trials, uh, and like you said earlier on, that you couldn't find that rhythm out there because of that you know undulation the whole time. So yeah, you had to run to effort, and then of course managing those you know niggles that were coming on later on rather than blowing up. So I think again, once again, with all the conditions that were handed to you and the course and the temperature and how you've done it, mate, we are absolutely wrapped for you. I think it's just incredible achievement. Yeah, it is. It's a remarkable performance. And I think the takeaway for me in listening to Kyle talk about it, um, and probably for those listening at home, is is to take your your kilometre splits off. Like, you, you use it as a five-kilometre split. I've heard of a few people who've done that. And that just sounds like, sounds like a wonderful way just to get yourself into the race zone, to forget about analysing the race every four or five minutes, you know. Then now you can analyse it every half an hour, which is probably a better thing to do in these longer races. So, Kyle, mm. there's a couple of questions here which sort of come into this. Um, we got off Instagram. So Nash Run for Life, she asked a question, how do you get and keep your heart rate low or so low to conserve energy for the race itself? But that's a good question. But Kyle, what was your average heart rate? Because you often run quite a high heart rate. So I guess the question is, how do you how do you manage your heart rate 
in a race, regardless yeah. of whether it's high Well, this low. was an interesting one because I had kind of a range that I thought was going to be acceptable. And really early on in the race, I looked down and my heart rate monitor was just flashing red. And I thought, I fully charged this thing. I don't know what's going on. And the number on the watch just seemed like it was a bit high for where it needed to be. So I was like, I'll turn it off and turn it back on again. And it turned back on. I don't know whether it connected and it was right or not. So I'm assuming what's on Strava is accurate because it's pretty much what I thought I was going to run. And I reckon when I've done all my training runs, what I'd said I wanted to do was like the, the heart rate I can probably hold for about an hour if I was racing really hard is about 183. I know 183, 184 if I really am pushing as hard as I can for an hour. So my head, I was like, I want to try and keep it as below kind of 175, 176 for as long of the race as I can. And if I get to the last kind of like 10Ks or so, I'm happy to be up in the 180s. I don't mind with that. But even then, I reckon not that I've gone into looking at it in too much detail just yet but there would have been times in the first kind of 10 or 15 k's that it would have spiked way higher than that just because we we're running uphill um and again it was just about trying to keep that effort right and i think i did like i didn't look at actually take any notice my heart rate once during that race but if you had to say to me like what do you reckon your average i would have said about 175 which is what i think it came out at because that was kind of the number i had in my head that i thought i was going to be able to run the thing that I found interesting, though, is I reckon if I'd run that on a flat course, it would have been higher. I reckon the yeah. fact that it was hilly and it was my legs that stopped me at the end, like my heart rate probably wasn't that high towards the end. Like you can almost see, I think it actually drops off a little bit towards the end purely because it was my legs that was my limiting factor there, not my you know, aerobic yeah. fitness. It was just purely my legs just not wanting, to, you know, not having the strength to keep running as fast as I wanted. So heart rate was probably a bit lower than what I think I could hold for a marathon, but that's also good information for me to have for the next one, knowing that, I reckon I could probably get my heart rate to go a bit higher than that and stay there if I really need to, given my legs can can stay strong for the for the whole thing. But yeah, I don't think like some people run really specifically to heart rate and other people are a little bit off. I think if I was on a really flat course, I would have stuck probably to heart rate a little bit more. But just given the undulations, it was so hard to kind of judge exactly that effort right as well. And some of the hills were only, you know, you don't be in climbing up the incline for, you know, 10 or 20 seconds. So your heart rate doesn't have that much time to adjust anyway. So it was it was very much a run to feel for me, for me yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great answer. And another question here from Aaron Robertson, this didn't happen so much to you, Kyle, you're only a couple of minutes outside what you're aiming for, but we said, given the course, that's quite understandable, but a few other people who went down there, maybe missed their target by a bigger margin. So Aaron asked, how do you adjust your mindset in a race? Once you realize that your goal target is definitely not going to happen. And how do you, and she asked, how do you remain positive? And you kind of alluded mm-hmm. it to it a little bit when you, you talked about focusing not on catching third, even about just maintaining your pace, but it'd be interesting to know once you realize it's not happening, where do you go mentally then? Yeah, I think, well, I suppose like I, you know, in a way I didn't have that complete blow up. So I probably didn't have to go to like the next stage of what do I do now if it had really gone bad, but I probably went through two or three of those kind of moments anyway. Like the first one was probably at around that probably 19, 20 K mark was probably the first time that I went, all right, I think two thirties off the cards. Like I did like, when I went through halfway and I thought, oh, I've got to run like 114 for this back half, knowing how hilly it is, I just don't think that's smart to try and push for that. Like I reckon if I'd gone for that, I probably would have blown up and run significantly slower and then I would have had to really readjust the goal. So I probably like adjusted my goals then and there at like, you know, pretty much just before halfway, which it, if you'd asked me before the race, whether that would have been an easy or a tough decision, I said that would have been a really tough decision because I went there kind of always, I talked about this 230 that I really wanted to hit but it probably ended up being a really easy decision for me to make it halfway. Cause I just knew I was like, this is just, it's not going to happen today. Like I, I could go for it and then to say, Oh, you know, it was all or nothing. I just wanted this time. But 
I had a very good inkling that that would have been a nothing. Like it wouldn't have been the all yeah. out of the all or nothing. So I was kind of happy to go, mm. no, that's not smart. Like I'm in second. Like then I kind of shifted my focus and went, all right, I'm in second. Like I'm going to race this. Like that. I kind of shifted from worrying about exactly what that end time was going to be to if I can race this well and compete with the guys in front and behind me, like that'll probably lead me to a pretty good time anyway. So I went from first probably half really focused on one of my time goals and just running my own race to try and hit my time. When I shifted from that and going, okay, that's not really going to happen today. What's the next thing I want to hit? Then I went, okay, I'm in second. Like that's my focus now. Like it all kind of shifted from, I didn't really care about the splits. I was more interested in, okay, where's Jamie in front? Where are the guys behind me? Like I'm in a race here. I'm in, I'm in the podium spot. And I shifted to that. And then I reckon at about 34K when um, Daniel, I think his name was, the guy that came second, flew past me. I went, okay. Then it was like, I'm in third. Like, And I knew there was a guy right behind me. I said, that was my little battle then. Can I see where I'm at with this guy? And then when he went flying past me, I probably shifted again and went, look, if he completely blows up, I'm, I'm happy to take third. But at the same time, my goals shifted to just, I need to get to the finish line as fast as I can. And if I take a big risk of trying to surge at this point, one, I'll probably cramp. And completely ruin this last thing and two like it's just it's not going to end well so in my head then i went okay if i can just finish this strong not blow up i'm still going to be happy with a respectable time i don't really care about third or fourth like the goalpost shifted again to just get to the finish line as efficiently as i can don't do anything stupid and just you'll be done with it like so i can move on to the next one so that i probably had those three or four moments in the race where i shifted and like yeah. that was obviously just the race i had but i know again aaron's question is if it really goes pear-shaped like that's where it can be really tricky but in a way, sometimes it's almost easier with that. Like once you know that you're like, okay, time goals are out the window. I'm not leading the race. Like, you know, if I was back in sixth or seventh, it probably would have been easier for me to just go, I'm just going to get this thing done. Like I don't really have to worry about it now. The goal is just get to the finish line. Like that would have been quite an easy decision. Whereas when you're kind of still somewhat close to your time goals, somewhat losing places that you want to be in, like that was a tougher one to, to make. Mm. Whereas I've had those days where just, you know, I can make the decision and go, okay, today's not my day. Like, what do I have to do now for myself to get me to the finish line? Not worry about anyone else, not worry about the final time. You kind of come a bit more aware of what you're doing then and there to make those decisions. Like, we always talk about it in ultra running. You've got to be a good problem solver. And I think mm -hmm. that's where I kind of go if I get to those points in races. I go, okay, I'm going to forget about all those external things, what everyone else is doing, my finish time and go, what do I have to do now to get myself back to feeling good? If it's nutrition, if it's slowing myself down, whatever it is. I'll just shift my focus to something else. And then if you do that stuff right, you tend to you tend to finish much better anyway. Yeah, and Benny, I was going to ask you, that's another great answer, Kyle. Benny, I was going to ask you, it sounds like Kyle there, every decision he was making was still in a positive mindset. And I think this is the, yeah. the key thing I take out of Aaron's question is that there's a difference in how you react to a race or a day depending if you're in a positive stage of mindset in a race and whether you're in a negative stage of a mindset. And I imagine... Mm making any big decisions when you're in a really negative phase of the race is probably pretty dangerous. But Kyle, listening to Kyle then, he was able to yeah. shift the goalpost very quickly because he was still in a very positive place. So to go, okay, now the battle's third. Okay, now the battle isn't third. Now the battle's staying as close to third as I can and getting to the finish line. Like, would you say that's a fair enough comment to say, Benny, that it's a different between being in positive and negative frame of mind when you make that decision? Yeah, absolutely. I, I hear the way Kyle has explained it. He was reevaluating the whole time, but like you said, from a positive mindset, he wasn't he beaten at any point. Um, the goal, the goal uh, post kind of changed for him with the course and with the conditions, and obviously, you know, trying to manage manage his effort based on you know the hills 
and then with the the, the placing thing always comes into play we know this in races it's definitely a, a, a motivating factor or it can be a demotivating mm. factor and especially when Kyle's you know had two people pass him at the later stages that's something that can really throw you and he hasn't let him he's let him throw him he's just gone all right cool this is what i've got to focus on this is the the outcome that i want to get today the goal has changed now it's about finishing strong and not completely blowing up you know with possible cramps and and pushing trying to do something that like he said is probably not going to happen when it with the, you know the, the goal changed from being the 230 and then the placing so yeah i think absolutely he's kept that positive mindset at every stage and just made those choices as he's gone along, which is amazing. Mm. It's yeah. really, and it's it's really funny kind of, Yeah, no, thanks, mate. All right, it was funny, though, those last few Ks. When I went back to fourth, in my head then, I couldn't have cared less that I was in fourth, but in my head I was like, I can just imagine everyone sitting on this app going, come on, the gap's just there, just pass yeah. him. Like, in my head I was like, I can imagine everyone just, like, looking at their phones going, just go a bit quicker. But in the moment, like, I was kind of laughing to myself. I was like, I couldn't have cared less whether I was in third or fourth. I was like, I know I can tell everyone yeah. else right now is watching it going, just, just surge, he's right there, you can see him. But in that moment, I was like, I, I couldn't have cared less. Like, I, I wanted, mm. if I'd run 234 and come third, I'll run 234 and come fourth, and which I did, it wouldn't have really changed anything for mm. me. Like, I was probably more interested in getting mm. the time I couldn't have really cared less of the place. Like, yeah, I'm sure if I won it, obviously I'd be excited. But even then, I, I just wanted the time. Like, I that was that was the goal. But it was always funny that it's those external factors of like, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast. Everyone's going to be watching along. Like, everyone's going to be looking at it going, oh, you've just dropped from second to fourth. But in my head, I was like, I couldn't care less. Like, if I get yeah. this time that I'm okay with, it would have been easier to get kind of like disappointed then and going, oh, crap. But I knew that I just, I didn't care. I was just watching him up the road, just going, well, there's the podium. But it yeah. didn't really that wasn't like oh my god that's what i came here for like that was never a big motivator for me i just happened to find myself in second because i was running my own race like i don't think i would have changed that i would have run the same if i was in seventh like i don't think it was it just who was there on the day and where they were but yeah i was laughing to myself that last k just going everyone's gonna be screaming at their phone girl just just catch you <laughs> that's what doing. i can't say that's what yeah. i was thinking i was just trying to survive myself then it was just get myself to this finish line and and get this over and done with and I guess, uh, yeah, we were exactly what I think everyone was doing at home. Uh, just probably one or two more questions, Kyle, and then we'll we'll move on. Um, but sort of Robin and Henry, Robin Bennett and Henry Coombs, they asked a similar question. Um, Robin was sort of asking about how do you know what marathon pace you're capable of doing in training? And I guess Henry's question is pretty similar, like how will you approach the next marathon based on what you've learnt from this one? So will your pace be adjusted for the next marathon, depending on where that is? So, yeah, if you could answer maybe those two. Yeah, I, like for me working it out, like obviously I had this goal in my head of 230, again, arbitrary number for an arbitrary distance, like it's a random distance, the marathon, but it's just nice to have these kind of goals to aim for. Like, you know, I probably wouldn't have stood on the start line and gone, oh, my goal today is 231.30. Like probably would have had a similar yeah. race, but we kind of go for these time markers. So I think like obviously there's really specific calculations and stuff you can work out to go, this is roughly what my marathon pace needs to be, which obviously I can do those kind of calculations. But it was probably an indication of what the workouts had felt like that I'd done trying to replicate marathon kind of sessions um, and what mm. paces I was holding for those probably gave me the confidence to do it. And that was probably one thing I would change for next time as well. If I was doing the same course was I'd probably do some of those marathon sessions, trying to find somewhere that's somewhat similar terrain. Like it, it's like I said, it's hard on the coast. The only spots you could probably go that would replicate it would be around like kind of some of the suburbs on the coast that are just a bit more undulating, but then you're trying to run through traffic lights and cars and, it's just mm -hmm. not ideal for running. You're either flat on the beach or you're in some really big hills. So that was probably the one bit that made it a bit tricky. 
um, to replicate it perfectly, which may have given me a bit of an indication on how I was going to run it. Like if I'd gone to Canberra and run most of the course, I may have attacked it a little bit differently. I'm not, I'm not too sure whether I would have or not. I think for the next one, like I still think I'm capable of running under 230. I think I probably just need to get, um, you know, in a good pack on a good, like a flat, flat course and, you know, get the right conditions. And I think I'm capable of it. Like I definitely took some takeaways of what I would probably, or what I need to do different in my training. But again, I think that'll come with time over the next few years for me anyway. But yeah, that like for the next one, I probably wouldn't do that much different. I was pretty happy with how I executed it, to be honest. I don't like, yeah, it would have been nice to, to hang on to that pace and run 231, 232 and come second or third and, you know, be a minute or two yeah. quicker, but I still would have finished and gone, all right, when's the next time I can aim for, for sub 230. So I probably wouldn't do too much different, to be honest. Yeah. Well, mate, I mean, it's it's a remarkable achievement. It's been wonderful listening, um, you know, mm. regularly over the each fortnight over the last couple of months to the build-up of training and then the execution on the day. It was great, a per- extraordinary performance. Like you said, the the, the course was tough. Um, if you have a look at the Strava map, like the amount of turns that you have, mm. in comparison to the Gold Coast, what have we got? Two turns, one at Burley, one at, at Runaway Bay. And down at Canberra, there's there's dozens of turns. So that adds a part into it. The fact that, yeah, you said you're on your own for a bit. Um, you didn't really get that pack that you were hoping for for a long period of time. But, um, oh, man, for a first marathon, 234, far out. That's a, ret- mm. that's a retirement marathon for me, Benny. That is, <laughs> that is <laughs> anywhere close to that, anywhere close to that. I'd be, I'd be in dreamland. But, um, yeah, wonderful, Kyle. But one, one final question, Gold Coast then, does that happen? uh probably not the marathon like i said okay our baby's due like four weeks before so i think it would be oh, yeah. silly for me to lock in a marathon <laughs> with a newborn so no if I, I might do something there but no nothing locked in at this stage yeah um so I mean, there are lots of other questions but you've pretty much answered most of them we had some sort of questions about their race itself but you've pretty much got gone through all of them mm. so um yeah if you're listening from home we um we're at what are 50 odd minutes now so uh a good time to pause the the podcast and Go and get a coffee or pause it for the next day because we've still got a fair bit to get through. We've got some goat loop news. We've got some dead cow galley stuff. Kyle's going to sit back now and listen to Benny and I just rant on about certain stuff. So, uh, so yeah, if you when you're listening at home in the week, this might be a good stage just to pause or do something else or, or um, yeah, maybe keep going through if, you, if you've got time. If you're out somewhere in the rang, we know people love listening to this on a big loop uh, mm. or in a 17K loop. So, um, yeah, Benny, let's... Where do you want to go, Benny? Should we go should we go goat loop stuff or should we go dead cow gully preview? What do you want to do? Maybe just dead cow gully, yeah. Let's dead. do that. Finish finish yeah. with some goat goat action. <laughs> All right, dead cow gully. Uh, now some great videos in the week from the organizers of Dead Cow Gully. They've had to change mm. the course. I think the actual dead cow gully itself has actually been unusable. So um, yeah. I saw there was talk of Rowan Cassidy building a bridge or something like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't too sure, but Benny, have you seen the videos? Have you seen the posts that they put up in the week? Um, yeah. The previews um, and things like that? Yes, I have. Absolutely been following along. Love it. It's um, really, really cool to listen to a race director talk about their race and the reasons behind the choices that they're making in terms of electronic timing, et cetera. And then, yep. uh, you know, to take you around the course and see it all with the cows everywhere. It's it's awesome. I, I couldn't stop watching it. I've, yeah, yeah. I've followed along very closely. I didn't actually realize how how much how it was actually trail. I just I'd mm. seen so many races that are last one standing that are on beautiful gravel or you know a flat surface or even a bit of road. I didn't realize how you know technical some of the little sections are in and out of the gullies and things like that. So, um, Benny, have you done a last one standing? Have you have you towed the line yet for one? No, I haven't done that format. That's one that I haven't tried yet. 
stick into yes. the uh, the four hundred track, the butter. Yeah, sticking <laughs> sticking to the ground around in one track. I love it. All right, Benny, I'm going to go through the five that they previewed on um, online, and there's um, Rowan Cassidy actually, and the Hillbilly guys. They did a really good YouTube um, preview of this as well. So. Um, if you jump on their YouTube channel, I think Rowan Cassidy's got it on his YouTube channel. They do a really good talk through the through the um, the people who might be at the top end. So these are the five that they mentioned actually on the Care of the Dead Cow Gully Facebook. First of all, uh, a guy from Tasmania, Ben Hurst. He yeah. hasn't come up, Kyle, on any of our talks in the last couple of years. So, but he's got two out of four wins in this format. So I don't know if he's flying in from Tasmania. I don't know if he's relocated from Tassie and now he's up here. But he's a Tassie fella. So um, yeah, possible temperature issue there maybe for a boy from Tassie. Yeah. Um Kevin Muller who they they introduce as the legend of ultra running, the the legend for the last decade. He's in there. Barry Loveday. Um he's done 45 loops I think last year or maybe at Clint Eastwood. Uh Chris Murphy 46 oh, they call it loops do they they call it yards. 46 yards uh at Oxley in 2020. And then the one they gave number one to was Ryan Crawford, and he won it last year, I think, in 44 loops. Now, Ryan, we had him on the podcast um, on the Patreon one about a month or two ago, and he talked about him and Barry actually going for the Australian record. Mm. Now, do either of you off the top of your head know what the Australian record is? Is it 46? Is it 46, is it isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I is thought it, it was 46. It, I think Chris has got yeah. it. Is it Chris Murphy's 46? So that, I mean, even without the dark horses that we'll go into in a sec, Benny, where do you go first of all? Ben Hurst, we don't know at all, so that's a possibility. But Kevin Muller, Barry Loveday, Chris Murphy, Ryan Crawford. They said Ryan won it last year without even getting into the, the battle zone. Where's your, where's your tip, Benny? Well, Ben Ben Hurst, I do know. I've known him for a few years. He's uh, yep. done a lot of stuff. Uh, we ran together for a little bit up at Glasshouse 100 Miler a few years back. Yeah, he's done a lot of great stuff for mental health, and he's done a lot of huge events, Um I would definitely put him up there just for his mental strength that he has. Um, so I reckon he's definitely one to watch for this race personally. Um, I think he's probably higher than number five in my opinion. Yep. So give me your top three then, Benny. This is I'm going to put <laughs> well, you on the spot here. You've got it out of, out of – let's go out of those five. Let's assume those five are in the top five. So Ryan, Chris, Barry, Kevin, Ben. Uh, give me one, two, three. Kyle, you're going to do the same. I'm going to do the same as well. Um and then we'll see who's who's got the goods on the day. Benny, you go first as the uh, as the new guest. Uh, I'm going to go Kevin Muller for second. Yeah, I'm not doing an order yet. Yeah, Kevin Muller <laughs> for second. I know. Yeah. I'm going to go Chris Murphy for third, and I'm going to go for Ryan for first. I think just once again his uh, track record in the in the past. Uh, I couldn't go against betting on Ryan. Yep. All right, Kyle. Yeah. I'm gonna going? go. I'm gonna go. Ryan third, Ooh. Chris second, Chris second, and Barry for the win. Wow, that's my order. We Jeez. will see. I don't know who might have commented on last man standings. We know my history <laughs> with the event <laughs> doesn't go well. I'll be off. I'll probably none of them yeah. will probably be on the podium. Um. All right. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna put Chris in third. Uh, I'm going to put Ben in second purely because unknown. So there's a very good chance he could be far better than anyone's expecting. So I'm going to put him in second. And I can't see how Ryan is beatable at this distance from what we've seen over the last couple mm. of years. I can't, I mm. can't understand how he's beatable. We know he didn't. I think there was one race where he, he pulled out in the mid, mid to low thirties, um, but that was when he was doing 
you know, mega milers, you know, back to back sort of thing. So, um, so there's my three. So the dark horses they introduced, John Drysdale. I think this is a bit rough on him. He got <laughs> he got third in third in twenty twenty one, and they just put him in the dark horse category. Yeah. Um, but did 30, 30 yards in twenty twenty one, and for third. Uh, so you'd have to imagine for him to get into that top five, he's going to have to go. Well, I, I think. Would you say they're all going to go above forty? That five, the top five. Mm, nah. There'll be at least one nah. or two blow-ups for sure. Okay. For sure. All right. Three of them will go. So John Dry- will go in. John Drysdale is a dark horse. Nicole Jukes, uh, female. So she did 21 yards in 2021. Um, and Rowan Cassidy, there he is, 24 yeah. loops in 2021. They put him as the dark horse, and they said potentially he's going to go over 30 this year. Um, and might even they said he might even push that top five. So who knows? We've got a we've got a good mate, haven't we, Kyle? Going in this Trav Island. Trav doesn't listen to the podcast, so we can say whatever we want about this. He's told <laughs> us he's told us he's not a podcast listener. He says it's not personal, but he just doesn't listen. Yeah. Um, so Kyle, we can make predictions here on Trav Island with knowing full well that this it's never going to come back to to biters. Give a. <laughs> You weren't Ooh. expecting this. I know you weren't expecting me to say this. No, no, no I wasn't. Um, I was expecting this. It was just what answer. All right, I okay. Oh, I knew okay. you. Were, I knew you were going to ask. I think. Well, let's before you give you the answer. This, the the story behind this, Benny, is that years ago, yeah, we were chatting about last one standing, and none of us really knew about the concept. And then Trav sort of went quiet, and he went, "What six point whatever kilometers every hour?" And he literally said, "How hard can that be?" That's and right. All, I do remember this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We were all joking. And so now we are all going to find out live as we follow this how hard it actually can be. So, Kyle, Trav Island. I reckon, and I, I actually reckon, I think this could suit Trav. He actually said it during the thing. He's like, this might be this event that he just hasn't even realized he's really good at. I think yep. Trav's quite stubborn. And I reckon he'll go longer than people think he will. I reckon he'll go 26 hours. Yep. 26 hours. Okay. What do you. <laughs> Benny, what do you reckon? Oh, that's um, I'm still, I'm still doing some math here. Uh, so what's that? 172, 174, 176. Yeah, yeah I, mm, no, I think, I think less than that. I think he's going to do maybe 19 loops. Yep, that's and what I reckon. 19 finish, be out on the 20th. So, yeah, um. You'd have to say, wouldn't you, that if he makes to twenty three, you're gonna you're gonna make twenty four. So I was gonna I was gonna split the difference there and go in between you, but that'd be stupid. So, <laughs> um, oh man, okay, I'm gonna go higher than Kyle. Then I'm gonna say twenty eight. Wow. I think he's gonna, I, th- I think he's gonna have a day to remember. I agree, Kyle. He is as stubborn as an old horse. This Trav Island is, <laughs> and um, he actually said he felt pretty good in that run that he did up over the Gateway Bridge, uh, the Andina weekend. So. Trav Island, you're not listening, so we do, we don't really mind. But Betty's gone 19, I've gone 28, mm-hmm. Kyle's gone 26. He could go 30, he could go 10. Who knows? Last one standing, what actually happens? But that's this weekend, isn't it? I think it's is it is it Easter Friday, Friday or Saturday start? I think it's a Saturday. I think off the top of my head. So I don't know when it's oh, yeah. one of them. Yeah, but let's get over now to uh, to Narang. everyone's favourite place. Now, before we go into stuff here, so Kyle, Benny, and I have been looking through a bit. Um, about what we'd like to see over the winter months, because uh, I'm going to tell you officially, <laughs> the beast is asleep, Kyle. The beast has gone to bed, just like, just like the great Greek myth, the, the abduction of Persephone. You know, into the <laughs> underworld. 
The beast has left his domain, Kyle. He's left his domain. He's gone from Narang. He's a only only very recently though, right? The last probably oh, a uh, couple few of days. days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So between, so I'm going to announce it. The beast is now fully asleep. So between now and I reckon the end of October, if you're brave mm. enough, at late October, this is your chance. And it got me thinking: what would I love to see happen over the next few months in Narang? Because it's an absolute minefield out there at the moment. Like this, it's a, it's terrible terrain. Yes. So you choose your choose your time and you do this wisely. But I started to think a little bit about what I'd like to see in terms of top tens. But before I go into that, I'm just going to go through local legend. Who do you reckon's got the local legend, Kyle, at the moment? Is it still Glover? Has he still got it? Uh, yes, I think he probably still does. Benny, I'm going to go yes. Yeah, he does. No yeah, no, he doesn't. Scott George what? fifty. Scott George Ooh. fifty-four. Brad Glover fifty-two. Benny, you're forty-three. Jack Ooh. Day thirty-five loops. He's doing yeah. some good work out there. Ryan Bolton, 25. Rafa Nunez, Nunez in 21. Cherie Barnes, 14. I think I'm 11. Kyle, none. Ooh, I um, just made, missed that list. <laughs> you know what we did miss, boys, actually, was the 7,000th loop. Oh. And, and it's, it's 7,014 today. So it, it literally could only have been like, it probably was you, Benny, on Saturday. It might have been you and Troy on Sunday, let's just, sorry. Let's just say it was. Let's just go with that. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. me. I'll take it. So... 138 in the last fortnight, so it's still pushing it outside Kyle's range here. We're going to get over 9,000, definitely. Um, now, before we get on to the stuff we've been researching, um, Zach Harris did ask a question. I said we talk about it on the podcast. He wanted the names of the loops. So here we go. One, Goat Loop. Two, Man Maker. Three, Widow Maker. Four, Lazarus. Five, Impossible. Six, Nirvana. Seven, Ultra Goat. Eight, The Farmer. Nine, Silly Billy. Ten, Enloopament. Benny, that's where you check out, I think, at 10, that's isn't it? it? That's correct. 11, Waiting for Cooper. 12, the best one of all, I think. Fix your fence. 13, <laughs> Rubbish Run. 14, Cinnamon Donut. 15, Mountain Goat. 16, Bad Boy. 17, Brothers. 18, Both Toenails. And that's as far as I can get on Strava because um, I can't. What are the other ones? What is, what's what's uh, 19 uh, to 23? There's shrunken heads somewhere so, in there. So, yeah, 18 is Both Toenails. 19 yep. is Pivo Beer. 20 oh, is. Right, yeah. Yep, 20 is Shrunken Heads, 21 is Soraya, 22 is Computer Says No slash The Legend of Sean, and 23 is the No Frills Goat Miler. No Frills. Okay, so there you go, Zach. I don't know what he's planning, mm. um, but there we go. So, Kyle, what's your highest loop on there? Have you done Impossible? Uh, yep, I've done five. That's my but, but no, greatest achievement okay. on Goat Loop. So, Kyle, here's what we're thinking. And, and like, we want to set a bit of a challenge to people over um, over the winter months, as well the beast of sleep, is that obviously getting into the top 10 for the single loop now has become incredibly difficult, really, really hard. And maybe there's a lot of people who are thinking, my time's done and I can't sort of get into that. But I started to look, okay, let's look at Manmaker through to Nirvana, two laps through to six laps. What, what do we see potentially a, a challengeable top 10 and a reasonable top 10 time to be? Because at the moment there's... There's some areas that you could certainly, you might not get the crown, but you could certainly get into the top 10. So at the moment, Manmaker, um, 10th place at the moment is a 111 for a Manmaker. Benny, you're a ninth in 110. Mm. So Kyle, what, what do you reckon, Kyle? A, a, like if, if we're talking about most people have had a good go at, a go at it, what do you think would be a reasonable time for sort of a top 10? Uh, for a, a Manmaker for two laps. Let's go... One well, it depends how many people have a go. Let's put it as a goal 105. 105, a oh. couple of 32 exactly, 30s. That is, that is exactly what I wrote down. What, yep, 
All right, we're on track here. So that's what I think as well, Benny. If, if people get out there through these winter months, I reckon by the time October comes around, the top 10, yeah, the 10th time would be about that 105. Okay. Um, Widowmaker, currently, um, who's got it at the moment? 10th place at the moment is 157, and that's actually Christy, um, Christy Windmill, 157. So, boys, what are you thinking here? I've written down a time. That I think if you, if you base it on the fact that Kyle said thirty two thirty, sorry, yeah, thirty two thirty for two laps. Think about what a three lapper might be. What you'd expect them to average. What's uh, obviously going to be one forty five. Ta da! Spot on. One forty five. It is <laughs> one forty five. It's not. It's, on. it's not going up like this. This is not a, um, <laughs> a straight line graph. This one. So yeah, I reckon one thirty one forty five thirty five minute laps would be pretty decent at the moment. Mm. Uh, currently, only three people have done that at the moment. I can't remember who the three are. I think Luke Kilborn is actually. I think mm. it actually might be Jack. Is it you and Luke, Kyle? I think it would be. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think Luke's got I think Luke's got a one forty, and I think that's it. I think he's the third one. Um, I then thought, okay, the Lazarus. Uh, what do we reckon? What what minutes per lap would you go for four laps if we're talking about a, a, a reasonable Ooh. tenth? I reckon you've written down forty minute laps, two hours forty. No, Thirty eight. I'm I'm asking more here. I'm thinking thirty seven oh, minutes a lap, um, which would give you a two twenty eight. And the man who's sitting on two twenty eight at the moment and currently fourth is you, Kyle. Two twenty eight. Mm, no. You're in fourth. So I reckon. <laughs> I reckon there's enough good runners out there if they dedicated a day to this to go out and say, I'm going to give this an effort. We could yeah. get 10th. We could get 10th. We could bump Kyle, actually. There's, there's the aim. <laughs> there's the actual aim. <laughs> While Kyle isn't trial running, bump Kyle out of the top 10 because I don't, I don't think you'd be out of the top 10 in any of these goat loops that you've actually had to go at. So there's the aim. 228, a low 228 will get rid of Kyle. Um, I'm currently it's all, ab- it's all about bumping Kyle the next few months. <laughs> Everybody, everyone um, do your part. So, in, in the impossible goal, I said, right, I reckon 38 and a half minutes will give you about three hours, 12, 30. There's only two people who've done that at the moment. Now, the reason why these numbers work out so well, Kyle, is because there's a magic number for Nirvana. 40 minutes a lap, Kyle, for six laps right. would give you what time? I know your math base. 40 minutes a four lap. Four hours. Four hours on the head. So, this is what I really want. And uh, this is Benny. This is what we've talked a bit about. And I was going to go secret with this, but I'm I'm thinking stuff. Let's just put it out there. I want, I would love by October time to come around if there's ten people who've gone sub four hours for for the Nirvana on the Goat Loop. Nirvana. There's, mm. there's definitely there's definitely enough people out here who can do it. It's just yeah. who's who's stupid enough and who's brave enough and who's taken the glory enough to go out and do it. So that would give you yeah. You need to do six laps sub forty for on average. Currently, no one's done it. Um, Scott George has it at the moment at 404. Brad's got 406 and I'm on 408. And if you remember, that was the we all we took those crowns within the space of like two weeks of each other. Mm. So what do you reckon, Kyle? Top 10 as the aim? You you like you like talking top tens and you like talking front pages of Strava. Do you think yeah. those times are too quick, Kyle? For no, I think we could I think we could get top ten at least close to yeah. I think we could at least get where you guys are at the moment to be around 10th. Yeah. It's just Less a case of whether whether people want to do it, isn't it? If they want to, if they want to go out there and do forty two lap forty two k's, um, so well, well, mine, mine are tough, Benny. But you've done a bit of research into two point loops. So Kyle, have yeah. a look at these ones. Two point so, possibilities. Mm-hmm. 
So 2.0, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of room for, for growth and movement on 2.0. And maybe after I hit 500 goat lips, I might go back to doing some 2.0s. Uh, but in terms of um, the multiples, so yeah, when we, when we look at the single loop and then the man maker, the widow maker, uh, there's only been, that I'm aware of, Tom and Kyle, there's only two people that have done five 2.0s that's the maximum that's been done that i'm aware of and if someone else is aware of it then obviously send us a message and let us let us know but there are two people who have done 2.0 five five times shane anand and rafa have both done five 2.0s and then going to the lazarus for four 2.0s we have uh well, this is what I was telling you, Tom, and Cole probably doesn't know this, or maybe he does, that there's a diff- two different types of segments that have been created on Strava for the for the Lazarus and for the Widowmaker. So I have to reference two different ones. Uh, but according to Strava, there, is, there is five people that have done Lazarus 2.0 or what is named the Crazy Goat. Yep. There's... So there's, there's, there's more people need to get out there and do multiples of, of 2.0. And then down to Widowmaker, i.e. The Reaper, three times Goat Loops 2.0, uh, we have a total of nine people. Let's double-check that. Um, it's not many, Yeah, no, nine, nine people. And, yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all men and there's no women have done uh, the Widowmaker. So there's lots and lots of room there for people to go out and do multiples of 2.0 as well to get on that top that, that top 10. So out of those ones, Benny, which one is the the easiest one to go for? Like we know 1.0 is very tough. Is the 2.0, sorry, is the two laps, is the man maker for 2.0, is that a, is that a tough time? Do we, have, we got a, have you got that on your screen there? I have a look. For two laps? Because Kyle, what's what's the one what's the one lap of two point Do you know roughly what's Jack done? Is he him and Tom are forty one? Forty one? Yeah, forty forty one. Yeah, that's his. And, and you're or did Tom get him? I can't remember. So yeah, yeah I've got a hit. So yeah, Jack's got uh, forty one oh nine. Tom Brimelow forty one forty seven. Adam Gordon Adzi's got forty two eleven, and then Kyle's forty four thirty two. Scott Walker forty five. Matthew Miller, 45, 47, Ben Deneen, 46.02, Andrew Pierce, 46.50, Darcy Swain, 46.54, Troy Lethleen, 47.02. There's your top 10 in the the guys. And then the females. So 47 minutes is the, is the top 10 for the mm-hmm. men, is it? Wow. And, yeah, so Christy Wimmel is the fastest in the females, 47.42, Alana Voigt, 53.06, Hayley Teal. 54.34, Stephanie Wilson, 55.54, Dana yeah. Marr, 57.36, Chrissy A, 58.33, uh, Kylie Alderson, 59.01, Veronique Apps, 59.07, Janice Tid, 59.30, and Sam Stevens rolling out uh, one hour and one second. To be top ten, so, so there it is. There's the women' aim. The, girl, the girls' aim is to get the tenth person under under the mm. hour mark. So yeah. the hardest thing, the hardest thing though with this Kyle is that to go out and do multiple two you've got to forfeit the fact that you could add some severe 
or serious tallies to your 1.0 loop. So you know you go and do, right. you go and yeah. go and do three 2.0s. You could you just you could have done four single laps. So um, so yeah. So we'd love people in in the winter months to get out there and do a bit on the on the multiple. See if we can bring those times down. As I said, the Kyle, you must have seen it when you've been out with the Mondays, but it's a real mess at the moment. And you wouldn't. Mm. It'd be quite silly to go out and try and attack it. Um, I don't see how you come out with with you know knees and ankles in the right places if you did that at the moment. But um, we do think we do think it's due for a grading, and we think it normally happens just before Kokoda, so yeah, yeah, July. But yeah, so there we go, boys. Uh, it's a big episode, a massive one with Kyle um, with his with his Canberra Marathon. And so, what what where do you go now, Kyle? What what's what do you think um... about? What do you do? What do you talk to people about? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Now that's all we've been talking about for so long. I have to come up with something else to do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to race next. I don't know if I don't think I'll race again before the baby comes and then we'll just see how life is then. I think we are locked in for Kokoda at this stage for July. Yeah. So that will potentially be the next big one. I may do something at Gold Coast, but I may not as well. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I've got nothing, nothing on the cards for the rest of this year that's locked in yet. So we will wait and see. Mm. Yep. Can you can you promise me you're going to keep away from short course trial races in the next couple of months? <laughs> Is that possible? Because I'm I'm looking at a few of those, and I think you should. Stick I'll, to the I'll road. do my best <laughs> to stay away. I'll stick away for a little bit longer. Yeah, no no free no free entries heading Carl's way, please, from race directors. That's no. right. Just just keep working on that dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, best. Benny? What are you? What races are you at? Are you calling some races for us soon? Uh, yeah, some more races coming up. Um, GC30 I'll be at and Flirt with Dirt. Um, yep. But for me personally, yeah, just trying to keep tallying up those goat loops and get to 500 sooner than later. Um, being out at Corral and working has kind of stopped me doing as many as I'd liked. But uh, um, I was about out there this morning and I was out there yesterday. I'll be out there tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just my, my little mini challenge, my mini goal to get there. Yep. So. Definitely. Well, um, what it, so we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks, as I said, we've got Dead Cow Gully, uh, Wild Horse Criterium, which I think um, mm-hmm. they combined with the Wild Horse at night, haven't they? Because that was sort of cancelled. Um, GC Running Festival is coming up as well. There's another road race um, on the 24th. Scenic Rim first round. That's the one I was yep. talking about out at Corralbin. I'm going to hopefully head out there and do that one myself. Because um, yeah, that was the one that you did, Kyle, wasn't it? Quite smooth tracks, I think. The old the mountain yep. bike trails. Beautiful. Fair few switch, Amazing. Fair few switch, switchbacks and things. So um and then, um, yeah, we head into May, don't we? And we've got um, a few more road races coming up in May. But, yeah, it's a fair few sort of other races happening through April, which hopefully we'll get to. But, Benny, thanks very much, mate, for joining us. Um, he's done some fabulous work on um, Instagram over the last year. And he's been enjoying our quiz nights that we've been happening. So thanks to those people who sort of jumped in on mm. Wednesday evening. We'll try and do a few more of those. Um, and Kyle, mate, from, from Benny and myself, and I guess from yeah. every listener, Massive congratulations! What it, yeah. it, you got no idea how much joy it was actually following it yesterday. And I, th- I sent uh, Costa a message on Saturday and said, "You do realize my entire day has been lived through Instagram, <laughs> the live Instagram. I want to see stuff. I want to see food. I want to see the expo and stuff." So, mm. yeah, just extraordinary, mate! Congratulations on a yeah, first no, marathon. Thank you very much. Thank you Amazing. very much. And uh, to everyone who's doing Dead Cow Gully, best of luck. Uh, we'll see how those predictions come in. And um, yeah, we'll hopefully see you out in the goat loop. Yeah. It's it's colder. It's colder, so get yourself out there and do a bit. See what happens. All right, boys. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Che- cheers. See you, boys. Mm-hmm.